I'm glad you guys are here with us this morning for the telling of the more traditional story of Easter. Thank you for joining us early. I hope you're planning on spending the day with us. How many of you are here visiting us for the first time today? Do you raise your hands? If you just keep your hands up for a minute, our angels will bring you a little information about us so you know what we're up to around here. And inside there is a colored sheet. If you fill that out and drop it off in the back afterwards, they'll have a little gift for you. And we very much appreciate you being here. Susan, there's one more up here by um, Keith. Keith. And back there, good. Patricia over here. Awesome. So we have three readers who are going to help us this morning. Linda Christian. Christensen, sorry, Linda. No, it is Christian. I was right. Woohoo! Second guess myself. Barb Stafford and uh, Reverend Roger will be guiding us through this morning, and I'll come back and talk to you when it's time for the meditation. Would you guys like to come up? Thank you for being here. Like every community, we come together to learn and grow and to support each other through the joys and sorrows of life. We have common goals. The greatest of these is that we might journey together on our path to our Christ consciousness, the indwelling divine. What would the world be like if each of us walked and lived as we imagine God would live if he walked on the earth? The story of Jesus is the story of this journey. And it is our story. For centuries, we have passed a story down from generation to generation. It's the story of a simple man who lived and died just like any of us can expect to do. In his life, he taught others. He loved and was loved. He gave comfort to the sick, forgave those who caused harm, and embraced the power of who he truly was, the hands, the heart, and the soul of all that is good and holy. There is a great significance in his story and all that it teaches us about the infinite possibilities that lie before us when we claim our own indwelling divine and use it to create a world based in love. Whether we believe his story is literal truth or allegory, its wisdom (coughs) guides us and inspires us inviting us how to question how living from love would change our world.
What would love do? The story of Jesus of Nazareth is all about love. Socrates taught for 40 years. Aristotle for 40 years. Plato for 50 years. While Jesus taught for only three. Yet the influence of the three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of teaching of the greatest philosophers of all times. In these three years, he gifted the world with a profound new perspective on love. He was well known, not only as a teacher, but also as a healer and a mystic. If, if he lived today, we might call him a free spirit. Someone who danced to the beat of a different drummer and didn't care what others thought. We might even think of him as a bit of an anarchist because he refused to follow the rules set by the elders. During his time, some called him a heretic. He brought comfort to those who had lost hope, showed mercy and forgiveness to those who caused harm, spoke of love and peace like a 60s flower child, And he protested, through his actions, what he saw as wrong. He gathered the children around him and told the adults to be more like them, to be innocent and playful. If he lived today, we would consider him homeless, and we might even think he was crazy, as some of those close to him did then. Certainly, we'd have a strong reaction to anyone who claimed to be the Son of God. For what seemed to be good reason, the Jewish elders were offended and worried that he would bring the wrath of the Roman Empire down on them. After all, he was a Jew, speaking prophecy beyond the scriptures of the day. (laughs) Over time, his wisdom outdid the skeptics, and the common people began to follow him sitting at his feet to hear him teach about all things spiritual and sacred. He taught that the kingdom of heaven is within us, an idea we are still working to embrace today, and that every miracle he performed, we could also perform. In fact, he said we would do more. Before long, the rulers of the land began to take note. If the people followed Jesus, the empire might lose control. These rulers were paid in taxes and tributes, and they claimed dominion over the followers. They were afraid that this Jesus might inspire the people to rise up and claim their own power. They were brutal in their actions, led by ego and vanity and greed. They struck fear in the hearts of those around Jesus until some of those closest to him denied knowing him in order to save themselves. In the end, he was betrayed by his own disciple, and for 30 pieces of silver, he was placed on the cruel, mocking hands of an empire that tortured and crucified him, using him as an example of what might happen to anyone who chose to express divine sovereignty. He suffered 
and never lost faith that God was within and all was somehow in perfect order. Despite all they did to him, in the moments before his death, Jesus forgave his captors, saying that they didn't really know what they were doing. As he breathed his last breath, he surrendered his soul completely to the great mystery, the source of all life. And in the moment of his death, all hope was lost, and those who loved him began to mourn. After much begging, they were allowed to take his body down from the cross on which he died, but could not bury it because in the Jewish faith, one cannot be buried after sunset, and Jesus died after that time. So they placed him in a cave, rolled a stone in front of its opening, and waited through the Shabbat until they reclaimed the body for proper burial. When someone we love dies, day and night seem to flow seamlessly, one into the other. We cry, we laugh, we cry again. Mostly, we remember. Those who loved Jesus mourned his loss, and as one day passed into another, they wondered if all he said about eternal life was true, and if they would ever be reunited in the place that exists beyond the here and now. No. 
On the third morning, Mary, who some believe may have been his wife, was the first to return to care for his body. When she arrived, she saw that the stone had been rolled away. So she stepped into the cave and found it empty, except for an angel whom she did not recognize as holy. You see, even though there was an angel inside, Mary was sure that her beloved's body had been stolen, and the pain of that possibility was so great that she wept. The story goes on to say that when she stepped out of the cave, still shedding tears of sorrow, Jesus was standing there in his new form. Have you ever seen someone so filled with love and joy that you hardly recognize them? This is what happened to Mary. Jesus was so beautiful that she didn't even know it was him until he spoke her name. He told her to go and tell the others that he had returned to bring peace. He had died and through the power and presence of love within was reborn. That same presence exists within you and me. It is the heart of love that guides us.
Jesus didn't make his journey alone. When the road became long and arduous, his friends carried his burden. And through it all, the sweet presence of the indwelling God guided his every step, even into the silence. Each day of our lives, we're invited to allow the same presence to guide us. We do not journey alone. Look around. We're all interconnected by love through our hearts, journeying together toward oneness. So let us take a moment now to go into the silence, that same silence that Jesus went into. Let us take a moment to be guided into that silence by the indwelling divine, the assuredness that something holy has us, that we are breathed by what is divine, that our inhale brings every cell of our body new life, and our exhale brings that new life out into being in the world. Breathing in and breathing out easily and effortlessly, we find our way first to our own inner temple and through the gates of our temple to the Most High, the Most Holy, the divine that animates us, the divine that makes us one. Simply notice your own breath. Allow the love within you to expand, filling all that you are. Notice a soft and comforting pulse, how it heals all that needs healing. Love is the power that activates your Christ consciousness. It anoints you and awakens you to your most divine state of being. Keep your eyes closed for just a moment and consider this. The Easter story is an archetypal journey that takes us from birth to death to rebirth. It reflects the beauty of the changing seasons, our life passages, and our triumphs and our victories. It reflects the truth that will emerge when we seek God within rather than outside of us, when we understand that power over will never defeat power within. Christ consciousness is a power so strong that it ennobles us, allows us to heal each other, to forgive, to show mercy 
to love beyond the limits of finite humanity. So great is this love that it transcends every human limit and moves us into our own divinity. And every cell of our body, our soul, our spirit becomes one with the source. Call it God or goddess, energy or mystery. It's known by thousands of names and faces. It's a presence, a magnificent interconnected oneness that we all comprise. Through our Christ consciousness, we become God expressing. We are one with God, and there is no other. like the story. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? The opportunity to die and be reborn again. Over and over we do this in our lives, don't we? On an almost daily basis, there's something that we allow to slide away so that we can step in and be better than we thought we could be so that we can reach for a level of excellence in our lives, so that we can fully express who we were meant to be. We can fully express the divine 
within us that wants to make the world a different kind of place. The whole story about Jesus is that the opportunity to stand up for what you believe in, to really stand for it despite what might come afterwards. And we have been talking on our ministers list. We have about 300 ministers on our unity list. And it's a private list that gives us a place as ministers to debate different things. And one of the things that we've been debating all week has been what really happened? What really, did Jesus know? Did he know when he came down that parade route across the palm leaves? Did he know that he was going to be crucified? Many of us think no. That he did know something would happen, but he didn't know how far it was going to go, what was going to happen. He was human at that point, right? He had not at that point stepped into his total glory. So he was not so different than any of us. Remember a few weeks ago, I had you standing on the street corners holding up signs about what you believed in. You're not so different. You didn't know what was going to happen. You didn't know if someone didn't like what you said and might swerve their car just a little bit out of the way. You didn't know what was going to happen, did you? But you did it because it mattered to you. Because the world can be different if we choose to make it that way. And that's what Jesus did. He chose to stand up and say, this isn't, this isn't right. I'm going to do something different. Maybe you'll want to join me. It's going to look different. So on the day that he was taken from the cross and put in the tomb, all hope died. Because at that point, the Jews were under Roman rule, and they expected him to be a savior. He was going to save them from Rome. And it didn't happen. He died. And for three days, that's all they knew. And sometimes that happens for us. Sometimes we take a stand for something that we believe in. And before we know it, people who we love have turned against us. People we don't even know have turned against us. And we don't know what to do. Those people didn't know what to do. And they were so strongly of the belief that he had died that when Mary Magdalene went and to, the, to the tomb and saw that the stone was rolled back, even though there was an angel in there, she didn't see it that way. Doesn't that happen to us too? Even though the world starts to change, starts to become what it was that we thought we wanted it to be, we can't see it because we've decided it's hopeless until something speaks our name, until something taps us on the shoulder and makes it so in our face that we can't deny we made a difference. We can't deny that something has changed. So the ministers were talking about, did, so when he came back, was he a physical person? Or was, he, was this a visitation Several of them talked about having had contact from the other side. What would that be like? What was it? We don't know. We all had different, differing opinions. We don't know. None of us can know. What we know is something happened. And that's what we all settled on. Something happened. <laughs> 
Something happened that was so immensely powerful that it was transformational for the whole world. We don't know when we take a stand for what is right and good according to our indwelling divine. We don't know how it's going to change things. We don't know how we're going to look on the other side. We might not even look like ourselves. People might not recognize us because we will have changed so much. They might say to us, who are you? You're not even the same person you used to be. And yet we are reborn. And that story happens over and over. And that's why it's so precious to us. It's so precious because it reminds us that there is something more than where we are right now. That there is always the opportunity to reach for a deeper connection to God, for a deeper expression of God. There is always an opportunity to be the power within, changing those that think power over is the way we do things around here. And that's why this story matters so much. That's why we tell it every year, to remind ourselves that Jesus was a way-shower, Charles Fillmore said, and Emerson said as well, he was the great example, not the great exception. He was the great example of who we can be. And when we leave here today, that's what we take with us, is the inspiration that we too can do that and more. And it's needed in our world today, isn't it? It's absolutely needed. That's why this story has power. So I want to thank our readers, Linda Christian, Barb Stafford, and Reverend Roger. Can we have a hand for them? Thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. It was beautiful. And our music team, what do you think? There are a lot of hands that go into our Sunday service. Um, people were here at 8 o'clock this morning making sure you had the right places to park. And, and Kim was back in the kitchen setting up so you could bring things for the breakfast we'll share afterwards. Our ushers have been working all week. Um, Stevie, everybody has been here. Robin, everybody's been here. Robin was shopping for flowers for the front yard. And, you know, the kids, even our kids are helping this morning. Our kids will be preparing for the, the big ones will be setting up the Easter basket or the the, uh, Easter egg hunt for the little ones. So it's a really a group effort this morning. So let's just have one big round of applause for all these amazing people. I hope that you will stay for our second service. We're going to go into our time of giving right now, and then we're going to go eat breakfast. We'll pray our way out and sing a little bit and go eat breakfast, and then afterwards um, we'll come back in and we'll kick off our month of worthiness. I am worthy. So here's the, here's the, how many of you do the mea culpa, mea culpa, yeah? I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. A lot of us were raised with teachings like that. So come back after breakfast, and we'll talk about how to put those down so that you can truly step into who you are. And if you are, um, if you are joining us this morning for the first time, please come and have breakfast with us anyway. 
We really want to make you know that you're welcome and we're grateful that you spent your time with us. As we go into our time of giving, let's remember the amazing people who have put today together. And more importantly, let's remember why this story has such value and who we really are. Let's hold gratitude for all of that as we repeat our affirmation of abundance together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. So whether you believe this story is literally true or allegory doesn't really matter, does it? What matters is that the story has meaning, and like any other story, we can learn from it. So we have an opportunity to take this out with us. I want to thank someone I forgot. I forgot to thank Christina Allen, who did the beautiful chanting for us at the beginning. Thank you, thank you. I, I, it always makes me feel like I've woken up in Jerusalem. Like I'm, you know, someone is singing on the hill and I've, I've awakened there. What an awesome gift. Thank you very much. And she's going to chant for us again to start us off in the 11 o'clock service. So if you liked it the first time, you get to come back and do this again. I'm very grateful to you for, for being here this beautiful morning. And I hope that you will stick around, enjoy breakfast, and celebrate more with us. Let's go ahead and stand up, shall we? I want to thank our prayer chaplains as well. Our prayer chaplains took care of the prayer vigil all day yesterday. Someone has to be here when we're open. Someone has to be here and hold prayer space for everyone who comes and goes. And um, that's a 12-hour stretch. That's a long time to have people here holding that prayer space. So I'm really grateful also. Thank you all for for, uh, holding that sacred space for us. We stand together, celebrating our oneness, understanding that we are reborn yet again on this day, that on this day we again commit to seeing more of ourselves, to knowing more what we're able to do, and to truly doing what we were told, that all this and more can we do. We listen to the story and take the lesson into our heart, expanding our own consciousness coming into our Christed self again, recognizing who we really are and what we're here for. We're grateful for this sweet gathering of hearts, for this beautiful place that we gather, for all the hands and love that have gone into creating this celebration, and for this and for so much more that exists in our hearts and beyond our words, we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And so it is. I invite you to join hands with the person next to you and across the aisle as we sing the peace song. And afterwards, we will say the prayer of protection to close.
am the light of God. The love of God controls us. I am the love of God. The power of God protects us. I am the power of God. And the presence of God watches over us. I am the presence of God. Wherever we are, God is and all is well. Happy Easter, everyone, and may the rest of your week be blessed.